Welcome back to For You and For Me, the podcast of Monsignor Kieran Harrington's Sunday homilies. This 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we first heard some social laws from the book of Exodus. Then we got the next piece of Paul giving thanks to the Thessalonians for their faith, which is a part two from last week's reading. And the same thing goes for the Gospel of Matthew, where we hear another follow-up, this time Jesus' teaching on the greatest commandment. Monsignor kicks off his homily with a discourse on Mosaic law as it relates to Jesus letting the Pharisees know that to love is the greatest law. He talks about how important it is for us to really embody that law and illustrates a story about what happens when we do. So uh, one of the great problems of faith is a question of divine revelation divine revelation. This is the big question of faith which separates someone who is a believer and someone who is not a believer. So what is at the heart of revelation? The heart of revelation is that we believe that God speaks to us. God speaks. Because God speaks, we have to respond. And it's in this context that we should understand what's happening in this chapter of Matthew's Gospel. The question that's being posed is a very difficult challenge because there are 613 laws that come from God. When you go out into a Jewish neighborhood and you see an Orthodox Jewish man wearing a prayer shawl, he's wearing a shawl and it has 613 knots. This represents the law. The law comes from God. God is the one who spoke. So in the Semitic mindset, 613 laws, every one of them is important. There is no one greater than the other. Every one is equally important. Why? Because they've all come forth from the mouth of God. This is important for us to keep in mind. So this is really significant because we have to understand the complexity of the question. Now, I would pose to you, brothers and sisters, for us, in this moment, at this time, is what does divine revelation really mean to you and to me? What is the obligation or the response on our part to divine revelation? Because if you read this 22nd chapter of Exodus, go ahead and read the beginning part of it. Be very surprised. I mean, this is governing all sorts of things. Like, let's say I'm clearing my field and I start a fire and it kills somebody's animal. What's my responsibility? That's what Exodus in this chapter is talking about. It gets down to the level of detail about what you do if an animal is killed intentionally or unintentionally, whether or not you can intentionally put someone to death for a crime or not. It's a very complicated chapter. So this chapter that we're hearing about in Exodus is kind of sketching out the law. The law is important. We respond to the law. It's not that we question the law. It's not that we say, does this law make sense to us? We apply the law. Why? Because the law has come from God. I pose that to you, especially because of our modern mindset. How does the modern person look at Revelation versus the ancient person? The ancient person, this is what the law is. I just do the law. Now we take a look at the law and we say, meh. Maybe that's not exactly what God meant. Or maybe we even say, 
well, this is not exactly revelation. This is just man's interpretation of these things. And so since that, that was some guy's interpretation a couple of thousand years ago, I have my interpretation. It's just as good. This is the challenge for us. This is really the challenge. But we are people who believe that God speaks. It's not that this is an individual's interpretation, but this is the way God is speaking to us and that we are called to respond. And so Jesus is answering the question in this context. And so what does he say? He's, and in the Greek, it's very interesting. He speaks about the love of God and the love of man. And he speaks about that hanging, almost the same word as the crucifixion. The loving of God and the loving of man hanging. This is where it hangs between. Why does he say that? And the reason why he says that it is possible for us to love, a man, love man without loving God. It is possible for us to do that, right? We can be humanitarians, and there are many examples of great humanitarians, people who've really poured themselves out. But there's a difference when I love you because this is what God has commanded me to do. The intensity, the ferocity of my love, this then is a different nature. And this is what Jesus is calling us to, is to love because this is what the summation of the law is all about. The summation of the law is loving our brothers and sisters. And very interestingly, in this passage we hear in Exodus, because this is not the mindset of the ancient world. Love the alien in your midst. Think for a moment about when you drive, if you're driving to Florida, you know that once you get to North Carolina, if that cop sees a New York plate, he's going after the car to give you a ticket, right? Because you're out of town. Or if you're in Alabama and they see a New York plate, they're going to give you a ticket. In the same way that if they see an Alabama plate or a North Carolina plate, they're going to try to write a ticket to you. You're a foreigner. Give them the ticket. The Jewish mindset is different. The alien and the foreigner is to be treated with respect and dignity. Why? Why, when the rest of the ancient world would abuse the foreigner, the immigrant, does the Semitic, because you once were a foreigner yourself. And the reminder here is, for all of us, is that the truth of the matter is, we are all foreigners and immigrants, not just Americans. We're passing through this world. This world is not the end. We have to keep going. There's another place to which we are directed. And so therefore, we treat each other with respect, reverence, and dignity because you are created in the image and likeness of God. If I am to love God, then I love the image and likeness of God, which is you, you who are in my midst. And there's no better example of trying to do that than somebody who has nothing to offer me, the foreigner or a widow or orphan, because I'm not getting anything in return. This, then, is what is being set up for you and for me by the scriptures today. St. Paul, when he is speaking to the Thessalonians, tells the people of Thessalonica that when the gospel is proclaimed, what did they immediately do? They immediately changed and transformed their life. They turned away from the idols, they changed and turned to him. That's not so with us. So this week, I was uh, in the office, the, in the rectory, and you can see in the office in the rectory that by, below this door here, there's a door that goes to the basement. And a homeless man 
always sleeps there. And he leaves his garbage everywhere. So one morning I get up and I was having my coffee and I look and I see he was there very late and he left a mess. And so I was like, can we get out there and clean this thing up here, Bubba? And what about my day? A little later in the day I went to get some, a pizza, a slice of pizza at the end of the day. The pizza place here is owned by a Muslim guy from Palestine. So I was sitting there having my pizza and a Snapple, and in walks this guy, and the pizza man immediately says to him, what can I get you, and can I give you something to drink? Do you want to sit down, sit here in this place? And when I saw this encounter take place, it was as though a sword was going through my heart. Because for me, the homeless guy was a problem. He was messing up the property. And the Muslim guy who runs the pizza place saw him as a human being and reacted to him with love the way I should have. See, the truth is I'm 17 years a priest, but everybody is still in need of conversion. I'm in need of conversion, and you are in need of conversion. And the greatest way that we can recognize our need of conversion is our interaction with one another. The fact is, is we can be charitable on our own terms. And that's when we feel that we've received the good things that have come from charity. But the alien who comes into our midst, he comes into our midst not on our terms, but on the terms that he needs. And we are called to respond. And so, brothers and sisters, we don't have to really look for opportunities to be heroic Christians. They come to us every day, sometimes in the form of a homeless guy who is just sleeping on your steps. And I think that this happened to me because I think God wanted to clobber me over the head. Because a week before, just a week before, I was going to walk out the front door of the rectory and there was a homeless guy sleeping in the front door of the rectory. And so what did I do? I said, let me go out the side door so I don't encounter this guy, because I'm sure he's going to ask me money. Every one of us have had encounters that might be like that. But the challenge is, is to see people not as problems, but as mysteries whom we are called to encounter, and the opportunity for us to encounter Christ. The Thessalonians, when they heard the proclamation, their lives were changed. For you and for me, maybe we need a little more work. But regardless, we do it because God has commanded it. Not simply because I'm a nice person, a good guy. God has commanded me. At the very end of my life, I will be judged. I will be judged and while the modern mindset might be that everyone goes to heaven, that is not the case. Because God respects our free will. God respects the fact that you can say yes to him or no to him. God loves us so much that he says, you can say no to me. And you are here in this world in which you can say no. Very few people say no to God in the abstract. But we do say no to him in the daily encounters of people who maybe are nuisances in our life rather than opportunities to engage Christ.
we will be judged. Today, you see all these pictures of people who have died. We believe in the communion of saints. And because we believe in the communion of saints, we believe that our prayers can help these people. Because you know what? I'm sure there were homeless people that they encountered that they kind of just walked on along the way. Maybe they weren't the best husband or wife. Maybe the best, not the best mother or father. Maybe not a great brother or sister. Probably they sinned in some pretty bad ways. And the truth is, is they get judged by God. And because they're being judged by God, the question is, is will they go to heaven? In many cases, people don't go right to heaven. This place we call purgatory. This is that place in between this world and the next. In other words, it hasn't been an absolute rejection of God, but they are not prepared to see the beatific vision, the brightness of God, because their life has not been purified. And so your prayers and mine help these people go to heaven so they can stand before the throne of God. But it's important for us to recognize that when we come here to this place, we're doing a couple of different things. It's not that you're getting something out of this. I don't get anything out of coming to Mass. That's, the, that's not the purpose. You don't come here to get something out. You come to pay a debt to God. You owe God something. You owe him everything because he has given you life, and so you come here to pay your debt. Secondly, you recognize, and hopefully it occurs because of your reception of Holy Communion and your prayers and contemplation of the Word of God, that you're called to be an imitator of Christ. And so as you go out into that world, you become more like him in the world in which you interact at home, with your family, with your friends, in your workplace. This is the reason for the communion of saints that we see above us. So brothers and sisters, today, as we read the scriptures and we think about these last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, we're praying for those who have gone before us that they go to heaven, but we're also contemplating our own lives and saying to us, how much is it that I love God? Recognizing that to say I love God is one thing, but when I love God, I put into effect in my life, and that's how I encounter each and every one of you, not on my terms, but on the terms of providence in which you enter my life. May God bless you. This show is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Ask us questions by tweeting at Monsignor H or by emailing podcast at desalesmedia.org. You can also take an ad out on the show using that very same email address. Until next week, for Monsignor Karen Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by for you and for me.